The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. Hi, this is Kat, and you're listening to Voltsy and Chris on the intermediate line. <laughs> this episode of the intermediate line is brought to you by Nervous Water. For all your premium fly fishing requirements, please visit nervouswater.com.au. And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally graded natural materials, plus a full shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. You want to walk us in to the episode, dude? Walk you in, mate. What do you think this is? Fucking walking marathon? I don't know, mate. You're like the maitre d' of the podcast. You speak like it. <laughs> maitre d'. I like it. What is a maitre d'? Is it like French for mum? I don't know, mate. It's just usually some woman that stands at the front of the restaurant that uh, shows you around. <laughs> I think you fit the bill perfectly. Like a like a Russian woman, you know, like up in hey. the height. High in the, what? <laughs> no Russian jokes at the moment, mate. They're... They're unwelcome guests in the um, in the house of Ukraine. So, Absolutely, yeah, not not real happy of the Russians at the moment. You know, um, in our house we've we've gone out. Um, we, we're having a bit of a, a strike on all things Russian. Um, so so you're yeah, just walking everywhere, are you? No, man. There's no uh, beef oh. stroganoff and no pavlova. So oh, okay, other oh, pavlova come from New Zealand. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> well, like the Finn brothers. Uh, you're not thinking. Of, you're not associating pavlova with Pavarotti, are you? No, he's a walk. He's Italian, yeah. yeah You're yeah, wrong yeah. there. Yeah. No, no, I'm pretty sure that um, Pavlovas came from New Zealand, dude, just like the yeah, Finn man. boys. <laughs> are they claiming it, are they? Yeah. Uh, I don't think the Finn boys are, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure New Zealand have claimed the Pavlova. Oh, cool. Is it or Pavlova, Pavlova or, or Pavlova? I, I was just realising I might have um, andied that one. Pavlova. Andy. So aggressive. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, mate. I'm going to ask Google. <laughs> Hey, speaking of uh, aggressive Andy, I see he's released um, a nice little, uh, pretty slick YouTube clip where he's going tar- Saratoga fishing. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Mate, sorry, just just to squash the uh, rumors here. Um, uh, oh, hang on, no, you're right. Um, Pavlo is a meringue-based dessert named after the Russian ball. Oh, right, Rus- uh, named after the Russian ballerina Anna Pavlova. How's that? Named after a ballerina. Um, but its place of origin is New Zealand. Oh, you were right, mate. Congrats. We were both right. Man. What a great show, eh? We could we can Dutch rudder pat each other on the back. <laughs> I'll just hold my hand near the back of my back. You move it, right? You're so worldly, Chris. Fucking hell. I didn't I didn't know that New Zealand connection on on the Pavlova. Yeah. Yeah, well there you go, mate. So you're actually you're actually protesting New Zealand in your house. 
Well, yeah, we've got some Kiwi neighbours. They're lovely. Really good. Yeah. You should tell them that you're protesting Pavlovas and leave it that to what they say. <laughs> <laughs> also not a big fan of Dave Dobbin while I'm at it. <laughs> if I That's just that paraphrasing Volty. <laughs> oh, slice of heaven, mate. Yeah. Know? Can I? <laughs> so what were we talking about? About um, Talking about slice of heaven, Volty's yeah. uh, little fishing ground there. Oh, it looks pretty techo and pretty, um, pretty cool, doesn't it? Man, I'm so glad he made that video. Like it's, uh, you know, like Balchi's um, um, ability to fish those tight quarters and skinny water like that with his. Um, I mean, it's roll casting, but it's it, if you see it in person, it's not. I mean, it kind of is. It's more single hand spay, really. It's because um, he he anchors that stuff down, but it's just straight. It's pretty cool to see. He's really good at it, eh? It's um, it's uh, when I first fished with him the first time, it was um, it was it was it was like a. A humbling experience, mate. Coming from you know fishing impoundments and blue water and so all that, and and you know to to tight quarters, short casts and so all that for carp. So it was good to see him put that out there. Um, yeah, I was I was um, I was really impressed with it. I rang him and told him he should do more. And I think yeah. uh, I think it created a monster. Look, I, I agree with you, man. He looked uh, he looked very comfortable. The casting looked you know superb on point for that style of fishing. Um, is pretty much a natural high. Well, one thing you don't, yeah, you don't realize when you're watching that stuff because he everything's. I mean, he probably he probably fuck casts up that he edits out, but I mean, like that. There's so many trees there, and when you're land based, you can't exactly go and get it off. And if you get one on a tree and try and bust it off, you ruin that whole arm. That's how spooky those fish are. Those toga mm-hmm. are for sure. They'll, they'll just um, yeah, if they see a fly line waving around and one tree waving and viciously compared to the other, yeah, they won't <laughs> come back. Yeah, yeah, there's. Definitely uh, some stealth that that needs to be to be exercised. Fucking hell, observed. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. Observed is the word. Yeah, yeah. The observant fisherman is the successful fisherman. <laughs> you writing looks, that down, Josh? <laughs> he looks pretty comfortable too. Like he, uh, it's like it's not his first video. I, I, to be honest, man, I thought I was watching sort of uh, regular YouTuber, sort of like Liam Fitzpatrick or something there for a while. Oh, he's been he's been doing drips and drives. This is not his first crack, which it's great to see. Yeah. He told me a story the other day, and Andy, I hope you don't mind me telling you this, but um, he's telling me he nearly got tagged by a massive brown snake, and he screamed like a little girl. And um, and he, I, I'm sure if he was on here, he, he wouldn't be ashamed to tell you that because anyone fucking would. He said he was walking across a paddock, and he had the GoPro in front of him, and uh, and he was just talking into it, and mm. um, it was in like some fresh a freshly mowed paddock, so it was just had, you know. The a slash paddock, not mode. So it was um it had the grass clippings laying over and stuff. He said the first time he was alerted to this snake was the slap of it hitting the ground at his feet. So this snake had got into a defensive position, lunged at him, and missed and landed on the ground. And that was when the first Andy was awoken. I said to him, "What kind of snake was?" He goes, "Brown snake." Like was oh, of course it was, you know. But um. And I said, how big was it? And and have you seen that video that he had on his Facebook page about chucking that look like a six-foot brown snake into a wheelie bin? Yeah, like, yeah, I did. I was just thinking that when you said it. Yeah, He said it was the, it was the same size or bigger than that. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's classic. He also told me with that video that you, short, that you saw that I said, you should do more cuts about what the train you walk in. He said he walked out about 2Ks through grass that was up to his chin. He couldn't see his feet the whole way. He was by himself, no no, no phone reception, anything like that. 
and he said he was pooing his pants there as well. But Andy pushes through, mate, and that's what we like about him. Pushes through with the wet, with the pooey pants. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyone would, man. It's um, I think you'd have to be inhuman to sort of not be mindful that um, that, that 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 those sort of predators exist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Andy's very mindful. That's for sure. He's quite the connoisseur of gators, I hear. <laughs> Got to be, man. Got to be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, man. Some exciting news, too, um, that, uh, in the fly fishing industry from um, a, a brand that um, doesn't sponsor the show, so it's just a bit of information, but we've had him on as a guest, um, is Arex Hooks. You know, Arex only make hooks for fly fishing. They don't they don't go into any of the conventional fishing. They're, they're all in when it comes to fly fishing. And recently, I don't know if you saw the buzz that's getting around, but um, they've... they've um, um, commissioned i guess to be fair to say to have bob clouser design a hook and i don't know of, of any other hook that bob clouser has designed i could be really wrong with that but i think that's quite a big deal to have someone who's um of such lord status to uh fly fishing around the world design design a hook and for arex to um to put that out yeah that is big news hey um yeah when it comes to fly tying uh, well you know fly fishing even there's you could argue that it's probably the the most famous fly with uh, you know right up there with Lefty's Deceiver when it comes to having somebody's name in a well a saltwater fly obviously um, mm. so some of your trout flies you know might be might you could argue something like that parachute Adams or um, red tag <laughs> red red tag <laughs> is that named after red yeah, red foo red foo yeah. <laughs> 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 it floats and i know it <laughs> yeah so i haven't have you got one mate have, what, a red tag stuff? no no oh. i do not have them at by the time this podcast comes out i will have them and right. um um but no um no uh no i just live too far away from um from arex to get to get us uh, to get the samples but um mm-hmm. but i've ordered from another another place and got um got the shop filled so i'll have shop stock if you're listening to this and you are living under a rock and not following social media you will uh head over to beast brushes and you'll see the full range that's available at the moment so at the moment they're available in up to which is this is pretty exciting actually the the, the size range i reckon because um, some of them are a bit unusual for clouser uh, hooks but i've seen other fly tires around the world use them for other stuff like giovanni de pace like a, a fantastic fly tire and yep. um and a good dude you know like he's um he's been tying some flat wings and deceivers on them and it's just such a it's a really good looking hook for that but i will have them for what's available to everyone around the world because the sizes range from number four to five oh but um, yeah but at the moment three oh to three oh four and five oh isn't available yet um but um but from size four to two oh is which will pro- probably be the most common sizes but for five oh you know, like you've got a, a like a, a a pretty meaty hook there, like a pretty pretty good looking hook, as far as design and gape. Uh, you know, for applications like um like even saltwater poppers, you know, big poppers. You know, like um you know this would be a GT worthy sort of hook for sure. I reckon. Yeah, right. You know? it, it, it's up to that sort of strength and and um, construction. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I can't talk about other brands to compare to as far as gauge and that's concerned, but um. 
Now the 5 for example, has got a, a 1.9 millimeter uh, wire diameter, you know? So it's, um, it's, 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 it's substantial, that's for sure. Yeah, good, good. Um, and which finish are they, mate? So the Arex, um call their finish A-Steel. Um, listeners of the podcast will know that um, I did talk about, I, I'm, I'm going to drift off on a slight tangent, but get back to my point in regards to this, because I want to, a lot of people will send me messages and go, are you going to put up the results for this? How I put a test outside for putting um, some brands or hooks, which I, I'm, I'm even reluctant to mention, really, because I don't want to stir shit, and an A-Rex hook outside. Um, I'm not going to put those results up because it doesn't, it's just going to stir shit. It doesn't look good for the other brands. But the coating on the A-Rex, I'll talk about that. Um, it's, it will be the same coating that's the salt water coating that's on this on the Bob Clouser hook. Um, incredibly durable. Incredibly durable. It's a stainless stainless hook. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, a lot of people would have put that through its paces. But I had, I had that experiment sitting outside where I watched other popular, you know, very, very popular salt water classified hooks just you know kind of disintegrate and almost look unrecognizable where the arex hook with this coating um was looking squeaky clean almost out fresh you've seen the results vaults haven't you yeah 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 so i mean like it's i mean yeah look i'm not gonna like i said for those people that are wanting those results to be put up publicly i've thought about it and um i just think that it's going to cause more trouble than what it's worth to be honest with you you guys can work it out <laughs> take the pepsi challenge yourselves yeah, go and do it. Go and put yeah. go and put three of your favourite hook brands outside and see which one lasts the best. I would I would recommend including an A-Rex hook in that range too. You'll be surprised. Yeah. So yeah, pretty big deal. But um, yeah, so it's uh, you know it's, it's, I think A-Rex is they're so progressive like that. You know I don't want to make it. And I mean I, I'm um, I really like that company. Uh, there's no secret about that. But you know as a commentary standing outside looking in, most I think most people would find. Arex to be pretty progressive in their um, in their range, you know, and um, working with legends like this, and and I wouldn't say immortalising him. I mean, the Clouser itself immortalises Bob Clouser, but giving him some sort of I don't know how would you put it legacy in hook design. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Come on, Major D. He's he's, <laughs> he's he's certainly got. Um, yeah, legacy is a good, a good word that the, um, you know, the the clouds are, as a fly certainly needs no introductions quite often. The, the first fly that you you learn to tie as a, um, you know, as a saltwater fly tire. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. that's the thing with that as well. Sorry to butt in. Like, you, know, you said, when you're learning that fly, the reason it's in, it's important fly to learn, A, fish eat it, but it's such a an important fly to learn for the proportions and how to manage a simple a seemingly simple material like bucktail um so yeah it's um it's a pretty good hook for for everyone really but to have bob to have bob to sign off on it as the proportions with it because you you use the hook as i'm sure you could attest to this to measure the proportions oh many people do i do um you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah the yeah the the um yeah the hook is uh is the yards you know lays down the blueprint for the rest of the flight pretty much so yeah if you tie true to the pattern and and when you do it um it uh you, you know you get the you get the results students of the game will understand students of the game will understand mate yeah absolutely what game is that 
Uh, it's the game of not just lashing shit to a hook and calling it fly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I just lash anything to a hook and put a picture up on Instagram and expect people to lord me or not? Yes, you can. But All right, cool. I don't need to catch fish. No, 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 no. Cool. No, you don't. It depends who you want to, to lord you, though. That's the thing, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The masses, please. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know what's good for likes. Really don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all fun and games. Yeah. It's uh, until you get a clouds of hook in the face or the thumb. <laughs> the thumb, yeah. Mm. Listen, talk where, can about we, that. where can people see that video footage, Vox? Um, you just uh, look up Thumbelina. Thumbelina hookup, thumb hookup or some shit like that. Uh, I don't need to relive it. I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah. It, it should come with a profanity warning and also um, um, mild drug use warning as well. <laughs> 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 yeah. Let's yeah. talk. Let's talk about who we got on the. Oh, I'll drug use warning. Are you uh, okay? No, I'm not going there. Um, you want to talk about who we got on the show tonight because we are wasting his time. Oh, we so are far. wasting his time. He's waiting. He's waiting in the green room. Yeah. Okay. So, so tonight we've got a uh, we've got a gentleman called um, Doctor Owen Lee, who is a um, <clears throat> a very keen fly fisherman. Um, I don't want to steal too much of his thunder, but he's uh, he's um, Doctor Owen. His uh, area of expertise is he's considered a social scientist, um, and his area of study is uh, recreational fishing. Um, known Owen for a long time, uh, he lived up in Townsville for a, while he completed his study. Very highly regarded for his uh, fly fishing up there. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into that a bit, and then then talk about a, a project that he's involved in now people who listened to the last podcast will hear it in the um in the outro where we we discuss a um a shark app that we'd, we'd heard about and and quite organically we go into the um into looking for the shark app we find it and then realize that it was a mate of mine who's involved in it so we've followed that up this week and um we've got we've got owen here to talk about it um it's a fantastic uh app um, and he's going to talk about the purpose of it, the scope of it, also the um, um, the benefits uh, in a wider sense for recreational fishermen and, and uh, all fishermen to um, to work together to um, to be involved in what they call citizen science. And, and citizen science is did you is, hear that? Um, yeah, what's that? That was me starting to download that app that you told me to get this afternoon before we talked to Owen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, You're not my um, dad. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> it's really easy to use, but let, let's go. Let's let's get Owen on, and and we can well, get him to talk us through it. There's plenty of things I want to talk about too. I want to ask him if he knows Dylan too. Dylan. Oh, it's just that most most blokes named Owen usually know someone who's Dylan. Really? Dylan drugs. Anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a bad, bad joke. You know? All right, cool. Could have been dealing cards. I don't know. Like, it's just, um, yeah. yeah. You know, who right. knows? <laughs> anyway, we'll find out uh, if he knows Dylan along the way, I'm sure. All right. Okay, good joke, man. Let's um, let's get Owen on, eh? Dr. Yeah. Owen. Disclaimer, it was just a bad joke, okay? Let's everyone relax. <laughs> it's like it carried away with the, with the context, okay? Um. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay.
Yeah, look, it probably feels deal. like a long time when I'm saying it, but, you know, it's one of those things where you listen back, it doesn't take very long at all. Yeah. No, mate, isn't that what she said? I don't know, mate. I've just realised out of us three, there wasn't anyone who had boys, maybe two of them. So, yeah. Bolsie yeah. never stuck around long enough to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we can Google some information in regards to the um, to the, 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 the thought process behind um, levels of testosterone and producing girls on another podcast if you want, Bolts. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, it might. It might, yeah. You reckon anyway, another time, hey? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Welcome back, listeners, to the Intermediate Line. Uh, this evening, we've got a very, uh, a very good mate of mine, um, and uh, and very knowledgeable fisherman, uh, Dr. Owen Lee, social scientist. How you going, Owen? I'm great. How are you guys? Really good. Really Feeling good, good Owen. Th- mate, thanks for making the time. We, it's, oh. uh, we don't often have um, doctors on the show, mate. Oh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> It, it's uh it's been um it's been a subject that's come up you know quite a bit with what with what you do uh and i guess i'm getting way way ahead of us here but i mean as we spoke about in the intro we alluded to the subject as to the reason why we're um getting you on um am i getting way ahead vaults with your no, plan no, yeah oh, no just... i don't think you are because like people are, are going to clicked on um clipped on the thumbnail and realised after reading a brief blurb that what tonight's show is about. So they're really yeah. going to have a bit of knowledge, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, let, you know, let me uh, let me cast a, a subject matter over it. Like, you know, we, we're here to talk about the common the, the common shark problem, I suppose, and not to come up with any solutions, but just to talk about your involvement into, um, into the research that's going on in, re- in regards to that. Um, I, 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 that's how I understand it. Is that, is that a, um, a, a fair comment? It's pretty close yep. um, in the sense that, so I am currently working with InfoFish to develop their citizen science um, programs and Sharked is a citizen science project that was funded by the office of the um, Ch- Queensland Chief Scientist. It's a mouthful. I had to get it right. Um, so we're, we're basically a community of practice. So the app exists to help fishers document the places where they're experiencing shark problems really Mm. um and present it in a way that fishers can sort of look at the collected data over time and go oh well maybe i don't want to fish here at this certain time because there seem to be a lot of shark problems as an example Mm -hmm. um or maybe i just try and avoid this area over here yep um Uh, yep go ahead no, you go, man. I apologise. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm, oh, I'm no, not at all. Um, yeah. But the, the goal is sort of not just to, you know, leave the data there and have the fishers make whatever they can of it. That That's certainly a function of the app. But the, the goal of the community of practice is that we engage with scientists, um, some of which actually work for the Department of um, Agriculture and Fisheries in Queensland, um and jcu and ames and and around the world um and share that data with them so that they can also help us come up with better solutions and techniques for minimizing shark-based depredation okay so this is sounds like it's it's a a, an issue worth observing in other parts of the world which makes me wonder what gave birth to 
uh, your side of the um, of the of the interest of, of this interest, I guess you could say. So was it um, through through community? Um, oh, I don't know. I wouldn't call it outrage, but uh, just you know, community sort of um, speaking up in regards to their activity with sharks, or was it something that was um, manifested through discussions with other 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 areas, other people involved with this around the world? Uh, so you know, like I, I mean. You, you might not know, Chris, but I, I've been sort of in the fishing world for a while. Um, mm. And I he used to hear a lot from the tuna boys about how often long tails would get chomped um, and how much of a problem the reef fishers were, were having with sharks taking their fish under the boats. The commercial guys have had this problem forever um, and it, it affects their bottom line. You know, the, the number of Spanish mackerel that just get mauled boat side before they get pulled aboard is is significant enough of them to be concerned um and so over the years it was it was a building concern that we were hearing um and during my time as the executive officer um of wreck fishing research which is a was an advisory group for the fisheries research development corporation we used to just hear more and more people asking for some way to help um i guess mitigate I'm just going to pull you up on something there, yeah, Owen. Um, on this podcast, there's there's few words that um, that we insist on being deliberately mispronounced. Okay. Okay. Um, so the word "ask" um, mm -hmm. you know, it's phonetically "ask," but out of respect for one of our previous hosts, um, it's "aks." Ask. Okay. Arks. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Sorry. I, I'm just going to pay homage to. To, you know, yeah. <laughs> so if you can just slip mate. that in sorry mate no worries oh. so people used to ask us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um, sorry andy oh, i had nothing to do with that <laughs> sorry mate you keep keep going yeah people sure. ask yeah yeah so people ask um and and it's it's been a it's been a growing problem forever and and the shark-based depredation thing, it's a real sort of conflict point. Yeah. So, you know, worldwide, so worldwide, right, globally, shark numbers aren't doing great. Um, Australian shark populations, according to the numbers we have, which aren't great themselves, um, our populations are reasonably healthy. Most of the damage is being done in the sort of like the, in the Asian, Asia area and through the Pacific. Um, shark finning, of course, and a lot of long lining bycatch. Um, but shark numbers in Australia are more or less healthy-ish, but, you know, it, it doesn't mean you can just sort of run roughshod over them. And yeah. conservationists care a lot about sharks these days, which is fair enough. So, you know, when, when there's these really unfortunate incidences where sharks sort of steal fish from fishes and they get angry and, and words get exchanged, etc. It it creates a real sort of sore point um, and, a, and a point of contention. So, you know, any any effort to reduce the number of unfavorable, um, I guess, shark interactions is, mm -hmm. is, a, is a win as far as we're concerned. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's sort of I want to touch on all of that um, in depth because there's a there's a lot of things to unpack there. Um, you know, there's how this this um, information's gathered. Um, you know, the validity of the tech, the you know um, collection techniques. Um, 
you know how the the um, the information is used um, and and that too. And there's, there's probably a lot of inquiring minds um, with with regards to that. But I just want to rewind all the way back to the beginning. Um, uh, you completed this um, this education your your education through uh, James Cook University up there in Townsville, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And um, while you're up there, like, in, I, I, I know this because I, I was the same when I was at uni. I, I probably fished too much to to, <laughs> to get decent marks, except you fished a lot and got decent marks. So, yeah. <laughs> I got five. <laughs> <laughs> but right now you're living in, in Wollongong, right? Yeah. yeah uh, right, so. Fishing's not as good here. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's just yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> what what are you chasing down that way, mate? Oh, God. Um, look, I was. it was bass season, and then yeah. it kept raining, and the creeks kept flooding. Okay, yep. Um, cool. So everyone's had a pretty poo bass season, actually. Right. Um, my, my domestic goals, not that I've been able to work towards them very well, but my domestic goals include, like, a proper croc-sized flathead on, on fly mm-hmm. um, with big streamers. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe get figuring out how to catch the um the pigs like the black rockfish. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, and blue grouper. Uh huh. I reckon they'd be fun on a ten weight. Um, and I'd love. I mean, the pelagics off the rocks are always great, but um, yep. I've, I've heard there's a bit of a run in at the moment. So maybe maybe I'll get out there and and chase them. Um, uh, but yeah, kingfish off the rocks would be cool, and a and a mulloway. Land based yeah. would be awesome too, uh, right? But yeah, the, the fishing's pretty difficult here. Yeah, I used up all my juju in my in my first, I think, hour and a half of fishing in Wollongong because I walked out to the surf with a newly bought rod and a and a Sabeel Magic swimmer, and I caught a meter twelve mulloway within an hour. <laughs> what? And then I walked home with it over my shoulder, and and that was it. <laughs> you know? oh. God, That's that, that fish of a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I, mean, 12, I, thought, I mean, what's it like to carry a fish that's longer than you are tall? Is well, it... you know, back then oh, I was, oh, I was, God. I was stronger, bolts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No complaining about you know bung shoulders and backs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be like your forearm, bolts, wouldn't it? A meter twelve fish. <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, I was so, yeah. Say, yeah, 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 yeah. About the same girth as Volty's head. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should see when he eats the tin of spinach. His head gets way big. Oh yeah. My wife calls me the fiddler crab. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Hey when when you're up in Townsville, this is yeah. how um I met I met Owen through the through a fishing um fishing forum um and fly, the saltwater fly forum and I was in Townsville, you know, pretty regularly for work and um as fishermen sort of do they um they uh you know they end up meeting up having a fish together and owen showed me a lot of you know um say land-based spots around townsville mm. um and you know, i really benefited from his knowledge and experience but one of the one of the things i really enjoyed was owen got me my first uh milkfish on fly and um uh there's a scenario i won't go into it too much up there because I, I don't like i don't like uh b- blowing up other people's spots it's always someone else's secret spot too but mm. Um, it was pretty unique scenario where where these guys were, where these guys were catching. There was um, Owen and Ted were probably the, the milky specialists 
Um, have you uh, have you been in contact with Ted lately? Oh, oh, we we still message each other from time to time. You know, shoot shit yeah. so to speak. He he yeah. hasn't really been fishing much. Um, you know, okay. young young lad and everything else, right? So, yeah, yeah, he's a relatively new dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but Owen and Ted were um, the you know well regarded locally for for catching milkies the right way. Um, which was, you know, not using bread. Mm, um, no burly at all. No burly at all, yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, so I was really impressed with what I saw um, to the point where these guys, can can I tell them about the dry flies you're getting them on, mate? Of course you can. Well, maybe you should. Yeah. Oh, well, that's no secret. <laughs> I, I mean, like, so actually there was another mate of ours too, Michael Kaminsky, who, who uh -huh. um, decided to break the one weight out on them one day, and he did manage to get one on the one weight. Um, but we, we found out that, um, at certain times when the conditions are correct, um, milkfish will quite happily eat like a clink hammer or something like that. Right. So like an emerger pattern, especially if it's got like a greenish olivey body, um, right. and a, and a grayish parachute. Um, they, they seem to be quite partial to them. Parachute Adam. Um, yeah. They'll leak those two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike, Michael got a, a couple on like red tags as well um, yeah but it was it was you know because of the conditions like yeah. wet season heavy flow so there's a bit of terrestrials a lot of weird insect larvae and stuff like that bloom so that the fish are more happy to come up for them um yep. every now and again we'd catch them on like a a weed fly before it sank um in a different spot than than we took you to that time you uh -huh. got one so the place that we took you the first time you got spooled um, oh, yeah. on your yeah. brand new seven weight. <laughs> that um, was great. Yeah. That was pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That spot, if you get if you get the timing right, they'll eat your weed fly before it sank, like yep. as it's on the surface. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you don't need heavy leader. Like, don't, you know, like the, the millfish we were getting weren't massive. Like, they're not like the, you know, 110 centimeter fork length say shells fish right um yeah. they're, but they're good fun and they're pretty strong um, very strong very yeah. strong. that one that you're referring to that ran straight down a straight mm. down a um a culvert you know, yeah yeah culvert for you know well over 100 meters it was yeah yeah pretty spectacular yeah it was, <laughs> yeah, it was nice to look at it's like just watching your spool get shinier and shinier <laughs> you know? um what what, yeah. what kind of reel did it unload volts uh, it was a hatch five plus mid arbor, so it was yeah. a fair bit of bit of um, line. I probably, I would say, I I didn't let it all get all the way out because I started to panic and mm. you know tighten it up a bit. But uh, it was at least it was one hundred and fifty plus meters out. Yeah, Did you get but, the fish? No, nah, no, nah, nah. not that time. No, nah. pulled the hook or snap? Uh, no, pulled the hook. Um, mm. it started jumping around a bit. Um. And then it actually ran back up the culvert and then turned around, ran back down and spooled me prop. Like, you know, that's when I so spooled me prop. I, I locked up on it and forced the issue a bit. But, yeah, you can drive your car along the side of it. That's how far I know it was because of, mm. because of the um, the odometer on a car. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it, was, it, was fun. it was a lot of fun. It was really, really cool. I went there after work. I was in the, um, the business clothes and, and these mm -hmm. guys um, – who was there? There was Sam McCowan. Sam yeah, McCowan. yeah, yeah. Was there my my yeah. mate Terry? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. There's video footage of this, isn't there? 
Yeah. Is this on the road? So there's a road behind yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You, you can only cast in between um, red lights, eh? That's right. Well, yeah, and, and moving vehicles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. kids <laughs> on bikes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's one of those fun, places man. where a tailing loop isn't a problem. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you just want to dump it in front of you as soon as possible. <laughs> oh, man, good times, good times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you miss fishing in Townsville? Some of it, yeah, heck yeah. yeah. Uh, like I miss the – so I used to walk around at night on the weird bits of the Ross and um, throw yep. surface flies around for the big barra um, and game changers um occasionally that those are great fun creep creeping flies around the lily pads and just watching it hump up and doof yeah um do you remember vaults like that one that made you think i'd fallen in the water oh at, at that weir yeah, yeah yeah man i i still i still think about that fish sometimes because i'm poor <laughs> that was huge i think oh. I, I do remember so so there's this uh, there's this weir in Townsville and um, there's a few of them actually, but one in particular that I was shown by these guys, Chris, you would have loved this. There was um, uh, it was pitch black, like real genuine fucking black, and um, like you, you couldn't see your hands out in front of you, like that black. And Owen was probably I don't know, you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't be more than ten meters away from me, but in the dark, and this mm. this barra hit him right next to the bank. And I thought Owen had been taken in by a croc or had fallen in or something because it was just, oh, man, someone had threw it a bathtub of the water, hey? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and then the swearing afterwards. Like, <laughs> yes. You were very much within reason to think I had died. <laughs> you know, we were coming close to death. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it just seemed like we knew it was going to be a good night because the moon phases that work really re re well around the Townsville area aren't what you read in the books on the magazines and we'd worked them out and we'd been doing pretty well. So I, I hopped down on this low rock platform and I was just looking at the water and I saw like this tiny little hardy head just skitter across the surface. And I thought, well, there's only one reason why he's doing that. So I've thrown this fly out and the fly I was throwing was like a, a two O um, it's a U.S. fly pattern called a hammerhead. So it has like a, oh, I don't know, like, three, four inches worth of zonka tail at the back on a short shank hook, a couple winds of saddle hackle and, like, a, a piece of sheet foam, like a gurgler foam, but symmetrical on the top and bottom, and you strap it together. So it's sort of like a slider head almost with I, a rabbit tail. I know tail. the man. I've seen them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those work really well, um, and they're really castable. So I'd seen this little hardy head skitter, and I threw the, threw the little... Um, hammerhead out there and i proceeded to as balti coined the term milk the ball um, <laughs> <laughs> with the re retrieve so it's like a, a slow double overhand motion as, as you can imagine um, and then this thing just exploded and it sheared the 50 pound shock leader on impact Jeepers. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even get to feel the weight of it. Like, I felt the resistance. I sunk the hook, and then there was, like, a half-head shake, and then it was gone. Wow. Yeah, right. It, it was too much water to not be not be a jack then, like a oh, mammoth yeah. jack. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's freshwater there. I think they stopped some brood stock jacks there many moons ago, but this just, it sounded like Barra. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Wow. It was properly. It sounded, <laughs> yeah, it sounded like someone threw a dwarf in the river. It was, yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you you realise he's setting himself up, right? For this. I was going to buy this stuff it, written down. I just yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to literally throw Voltsy in the water. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. Um, yeah, we, we've drifted a bit off topic, but I just mm. wanted to 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 you know let um, listeners in on Owen's fishing background because um, he was. Uh, I don't want to use the word famous, but it was well well known for for doing well on on the on the night missions, eh? Yeah, I did okay. Yeah, <laughs> night missions yeah. are where it's at. I mean, that's that's I'm a big fan of that myself. That's yeah. um, no yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, no people, no sun, active fish. What's not to like about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Owen. Um, did that so with your um with your studies, mate, or, mm-hmm. or your professional career post studies, you've yes. you've found yourself involved in a few different projects. Um yeah. where are some of the really cool far off places you've you've ended up? Um so probably one of the most remote places I've been to is um the main island of Tarawa, um, which is well the, it's the main island of the nation of Kiribati. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's it's where more than 50% of the population of Kiribati actually lives. Um, okay. Yeah. And it's a tiny, tiny island. Like, it's an atoll. Yeah. Um, there's two strips, and they look sort of like a, a an L shape, but askew. And I uh-huh. swear to God, the, at the widest part of the island, if you had a decent arm, you could throw a rock across it. Mm, um, yeah, and, right. yeah, and like, you know, upwards of... I think it's like 150,000 people live on it. Right. Yeah, like the population density is crazy, like one person per square metre type thing. Oh, it looks crazy. Actually, mm-hmm. I've, I was looking at this the other day. I was looking at some COVID stats mm-hmm. um, for, for Kiribati. There's a – is it Betio? B-E – Beso, yeah. yeah. How do you say it? Sorry? Beso. Beso. It, yeah. This place is so densely populated that there's no streets. Mm, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, when you look at the satellite mm-hmm. image, it looks um, oh, yeah, it, it's quite I won't say distressing, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean it's it's a like so it's there's one main drag that you can drive down on on South Tarawa, so not the northern part. The northern part quite often gets flooded on the high tides, so there's no roads up there. On the southern island, there's one main drag, um, one main road which is single lane, forty kilometers the whole way. Because um, there's a lot of dogs and small children and stuff like that, yeah. Um, and then it's just houses, oh, wow. like little sort of shack type arrangements um, to the side, and they stretch on a fair bit. But yeah, yeah, there's no real roads leading back into them. It's not like you know a cool little cul-de-sac or anything. It's no such thing. Yeah, it's so different to what you know we're used to. Um, oh, heck yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's quite sobering to to think, you know, that um, you know, our living standards, you know, we probably take them for granted when we see stuff like that. So. Oh, absolutely. But you know, like I, I love going over there because the it gives me a sense of perspective when I when I because I have a lot of friends over there now, um, and mm. then we talk and they're like, well, we don't have any poverty. No one will ever starve in the street here. And she's yep. spot on, you know, like. If anyone's on hard times, the community feeds them. 
if they're really, really desperate, they can go catch food um, or, you know, pick a coconut off the tree or something like that. Um, and, you know, funnily enough, like mathematically, I'm pretty sure none of the Ekiribus people owe a bank 50 years of slavery. Mm. Well, right. Like we do. Yeah. <laughs> like essentially that's what we do like we yep. promise the bank 50 years of our lives Kiribati, they don't do that right that's amazing so, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so like you know if you look at the gdp yeah it's not great they don't earn a lot but like the metrics very rich different. still that's right in, in in a sense yeah that's yeah, right yeah 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 i'm on google maps now looking at it man mm. that um that Population density, as you guys have mentioned, is is wild, eh? Hey? It's really it's a, nuts. Yeah. yeah. Average average household is five children. Wow. Um, and it's it's the craziest thing when you fly in. Actually, like the the whole atoll looks like this giant sea creature that's just rising up out of the ocean. Mm. Yeah, it's nuts. Wow. It's a funny shape too, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's this weird triangular shape. And I can see what you mean about there's there's parts of the atoll which are literally a, a one lane road mm -hmm, wide. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the widest bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's been well publicised on um, in the media uh, is that it the um, the islands are are very much at risk to um, rising oceans. Yeah. Um, is it true that the atolls are actually sinking a little as well, or am I misinformed on oh, that? Oh no, it's it's really it's really complicated because some of the atolls are deposition sites, right? Uh -huh. So you know, depending on what the currents are doing, depending on what the erosion on the reef is doing, they might be growing in some spots. Uh -huh. But the net, you know, on average, um, what's what's really the problem is the the salt water is rising up into the freshwater lens, so. So in Kiribati, they on the main island, they don't yep. have a, there's no such thing as a freshwater spring. There's no rivers, there's no real dams, right? Uh -huh. So they rely on this thing called a freshwater lens, which just basically means it has to rain enough that the freshwater hasn't become brackish before you drink it. Right. Okay. So so <laughs> so you can see how like delicate that balance is, right? Like in, in terms of just watering your populace. Um, and so as the sea level rises, you know, more that, that the seawater gets higher and higher on the lens. Well, what does it rise into to make it brackish? It doesn't look like there's too many stored lakes there. Are you talking about, like, uh, groundwater? Well, rainwater, man, yeah. Like, just, like, like stored in tanks or... Well, uh, yeah, they store water, uh, rainwater in the tanks. It, also, I guess, like, the rainwater that soaks into... Uh, and it's basically coral sand. Yeah. It soaks into the coral sand. It, it doesn't mix with the seawater immediately. That's what I'm getting at. So yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So that's where they're sort of measuring that, um, what do you call it, water lens? Did you yeah, say the freshwater lens. Yeah, yeah. freshwater lens. Okay. Because yeah. I'm, I'm on Google Maps now, as I mentioned, and I can't uh -huh. see any vast um, bast or barra dams here and like that. So it's uh, a... <laughs> no, man. They, they have like milkfish ponds. Like I saw food. one dam up there. Yeah. I'm looking. That'd be a great place for the chummers up there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, you throw a handful of rice in the milkfish pond and they go nuts. Right? Uh, but yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. That's an that's a, a very interesting concept, and um, and obviously that makes sense. You know, um, the um, the idea of what you're talking about about the fresh mixing with the salt and getting to it before that, or yeah. relying on like the um, the weather cycles to keep re, re, um, keeping it fresh. Is that 
more along yeah. the lines of what they're um, expecting. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and mm-hmm. and you get the situation where so some of the outer islands um, that some of my friends are from, like they get enough rainfall and there's enough elevation that there's quite a lot of freshwater loving trees. So Butari Tari is one of the few places where you can grow bananas um, in Kiribati because it stays fresh long enough with the amount of rain they get. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when you get a big spring tide um, and the seawater runs over the, the land, it immediately kills things like bananas. Um, and the, I, I assume you guys know what a breadfruit tree is too, right? Like you, yep. you guys have yep. heard, seen of those. Yeah, so the, people rely on those trees as well. Um, but the problem with breadfruit trees is, A, they're really slow growing, and B, they also don't like seawater. Wow. So, like, you know, people rely on these quite heavily for their carbohydrate and whatever micronutrients. And, and then if they die, it, I don't know that they'll ever get a tree established before, you know, things go pear-shaped, right? Before they need it. Mm. That's mean. right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a, um, a fickle environment there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So delicate. So mm. delicate. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, well, that's... um. We've probably talked enough about about uh, fishing, <laughs> fishing sort of things. It's no, it's really fascinating. You know, part of, one of the bits I don't enjoy about the podcast is you know quite often we have guests on that you know we we're talking to them about a topic and mm-hmm. um, either Crystal or I will find you know a peripheral topic, um, you know something of, of personal interest to us, but mm-hmm. we you know we don't have the the um, the time or the scope to go down that sort of rabbit hole, so to speak. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I really to stick to the topic derailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about sharks. Yeah. Um, I'll lay a little bit of background. I mean, we've we've had a few podcasts where we've we've spoken about the and say that it feels like it, sharks have definitely increased in in my own personal mm-hmm. sort of um, uh, rough estimation. Like. Yeah. Uh, for uh, prior to, I'm going to say 2011, because it was a major flood event in mm-hmm. southeast Queensland where I live, mm-hmm. do the majority of my fishing. Um, prior to that, um, on tuna in Moreton Bay, southeast Queensland, I I could remember three, maybe five sort of sharkings in in you know 2000 to 1999 to 2011. Right? Yeah. It just never really seemed to happen. Mm. Um. Now, if I go out there and, and fly fish in certain spots mm-hmm. um, that I've fished for a long time, um, it feels like I'd be satisfied to only have three tuna eaten in a day. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, it has sadly become that, that common. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, it's a multifaceted issue. I, I really don't have the answer to it. And that is, look, mate, you know, I'm, I'm on social media. You are too. You'd be aware that this is uh, not isolated to Volsi. Chris has got similar experiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously the whole of Facebook lights up too, you know. When yeah, you yeah, it. totally. Yep. Um, if there's been a really positive thing about about social media, it's, you know, bringing together, you know, a, collect- a collection of, um, of experiences really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with photographic but, evidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it it is amazing like that, but, um, and and this sort of supposed increase activity, it's sort of um, maybe the timelines different, but you know, last week 
we were talking to Mark Bargainquest, who used to be mm-hmm. an army base, now a guide in Weeper, mm-hmm. you know, and he said the same thing, you know, there's the shark numbers have gone, you know, increased over the last mm-hmm. four or five years, definitely longer um, up that way. And, and you know, you speak to, like you, you mentioned, commercial fishermen mm-hmm. up and down the coast. Yeah, I'm, I'm painting a picture that it's yeah. not isolated, right? So no. Yeah, what was the the genesis for um, InfoFish Shark? Yeah, so it it was along those lines, right? Like mounting evidence that it was becoming a serious issue. Um, You know, people were genuinely pretty angry and uh, concerned that a whole lot of fish were getting eaten before they could be boated. Uh, A lot of fish that were tagged got sharked um, on the way out stuff like that happening um and it it's it's a real problem for everyone right so for the fishers they get really frustrated fair enough um for the managers it's a whole other level of mortality that their models don't cater for right right so when they set things like bag limits they're not expecting someone to you know basically have to remove twice their bag limit to actually land their bag limit Gotcha. If you get my meaning. Yeah. So yep. so if you're losing every second fish, the guy's not doing anything wrong, but like twice as many fish are getting killed as, as probably are necessary for you know, or, or were factored into the model. Yeah, I think uh, I think, think Bargy mentioned that on the show last week about trout fishermen about mm-hmm. you know, yielding one ton from from, from uh and losing oh, two ton or yep, something like that he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That wouldn't surprise me, you know. Um so, you know, for the commercial guys, clearly that's a bottom line issue too, right? Mm. Like if you're, if you're spending all day to f- half fill your hold with live trout, it's a huge expense suddenly, um, you know? And, and like the conservationists, they see pictures of, you know, sharks that have come afoul of this or, or worse actually what it is is the sharks that have done the depredation and, you know, snap off the line are swimming around down there with gear in their mouth. Mm. Mm. And, then, and then that those are the pictures that, you know, get shared around on the diving sites and stuff like that. And you get the footage of, like, sharks swimming up to divers to have hooks pulled out of their face. Like, no one wants that. No one no one wants that at all to happen. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just high time that someone did something about it. Um, and so... Stefan, our our leader at InfoFish, he, he put in an application um, for the Queensland Smarty Grants um, a couple years back, and we got the grant to go ahead and do it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what sequence of questions you've got lined up here, Volts, but um, one of the things that um, I'm interested in, I'm probably getting ahead if you, if you have got a series of questions lined up, uh-huh. is what, what do you guys hope to achieve from... Um, the app and the information you guys gather? So, ultimate goal is to minimise shark-based depredation. Sure. Right? For for everyone's sake. Um, and obviously, this, this app is optimised for recreational fishers. So, if we can just help recreational fishers experience less shark-based depredation either by avoiding the sites that are um, hotspots or avoiding techniques that seem to be more susceptible to that kind of thing, um, et cetera, et cetera, then, then we feel that's a win. Um, yeah, go on, Chris. Sorry, I was just, I thought you were stopping. I was going to ask who's involved with, um, with acting on this information. 
Like as as in like uh, is the commercial sector going to be as involved as the is the recreational sector mm-hmm. compared to you know fisheries making decisions based off it? Is is, mm-hmm. is it going to go any any you know you know that sort of distance? Yeah, so we, we, we're building a community of practice. Um, so there's the rec fishers who, who can use the app. It's not optimized to the commercial guys yet. Um, if you've played with the app, you can sort of tell it's not quite right for them. Um, but we have had a lot of interest, so there's a chance we'll develop something for them too later. Um, we, we, as I said before, I guess, are engaging with a lot of experts in shark behavior um and trying to share our data with those guys um trying to share out that data with the state agencies as well including uh the queensland department of agriculture and fisheries um and hopefully also people in industry so if this if there's a technological solution out there that someone can come up with so much better right and we want to do everything we can to support anyone who's needing this kind of data so that they can do so. What would be an example of that of that of um, acting on that technological data? Well, so you know they might figure out. Oh, all right. So, um, oh, well, let's use Milton Bay, right? Yeah. As an example, um, gee, these guys. It seems to be the sharking is really significant when they're fly fishing for tuna. Um, what are they doing exactly, and what are the possible cues? that could be leading to the sharks, you know, being on the tuna as much as they are. Mm. Um, and then they could develop a tech optimised for that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a particular tech mind, but given the papers that we've been reading about shark behaviour, um, there's probably a lot to do with sound. So right. sharks are super sensitive to low-frequency sound, like an outboard. Wow. Mm. Like that, duk, 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 duk. they will hear it from tens of kilometers away and home yep. in on it. There's, so, there's yeah. anecdotal evidence too that, you know, locally um, there was uh, a lot of the local crabbers were mm-hmm. using um, two particular kinds of outboards, Evinrude E Tech and uh, Mercury Optimax. And, yep. um, and they, anecdotally, of course, it's really hard to quantify this, but. You know, people who were using those um, motors were reporting, you know, a lot of tiger sharks and, mm. and bullies sitting around under their boats, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, you know, if, if a commercial crabber, for example, their their style of, of, of fishing would, would, from a shark level, be quite similar to a tuna fish, mm. uh, a typical tuna chasing mm-hmm. behaviour in that, you know, you're speeding between between pots yep. followed by a period of idling yep and and you know after a, after a little bit of idling suddenly a, a feed of of either undersized or female crabs or spent mm-hmm. bait gets mm-hmm. presented to the shark so they, that's right it's an easy easy meal whereas you yep. know it'd be a similar thing with the tuna um, yeah yeah so so what's what's a counter for that like something like a like a a uh, uh some i don't know what, what, what would you, you can't you can't stop you can't row there you know, the motor no, is going to be no. used forever. Well, that, that's the conundrum, right? I, I yeah. mean, I know there's a couple companies that are coming up with things like electric outboards, but I think the battery capacity is the limiting factor at the moment. Mm. I, I see one, sorry, slight tangent with that. There is yeah, one, yeah. Mercury's come out with one. I think I showed it to you the other day, Volts, remember? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 the equivalent, it was like a, a equivalent of 100 horsepower, you know, like wow. a battery-powered okay. outboard. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. I mean, Andy Thompson was running one for a little while, right? Was he really? 
Really? Oh, I, I remember know. one of his YouTube videos from many moons ago. He had a little electric outboard. Oh, um, he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not Haswing. Um, oh, was another one. Yeah, torpedo? The, was it torpedo? torpedo? Torpedo, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. a one horrepower thing or something like that. It was, yeah, it was, it was he had a lot a really bigger than light, a bow, man. Yeah, he had a really light hull too. Like yeah. Could take it. I think I think that actually, the motor played it. I could be wrong, yeah. But I think it might, might have played a choice in his hull, hull decision too. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That would make sense. So, yeah. I mean, stuff like that, um, I don't know. Maybe there's some way to muffle the sound or at least make it more chaotic so it's mm. not rhythmic and it's harder to home in on or something uh, i'm not an acoustic engineer but um, oh and on that on that too is it is it true that sharks probably sense the um these vibrations uh through their um, their advanced sensory lines that ampule of lorenzini oh yeah the electrical impulses oh absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah man uh, they like, pick up on electrolysis too then wouldn't they yeah the boats they anodes. Yep. absolutely like just the fact that there's metal in the water um, mm-hmm. you know, the, like this, I, I think a lot of people underestimate how sophisticated these animals are. Like it, they've, they've basically had to catch dinner with their mouths for the past 200 million years mm-hmm. in the ocean. Like wow. it, yeah. there's not much that's going to get past them. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah. That's interesting you say, because I mean, like then it begs the question, well, why now? Well, if they're, if they're, yeah, yeah. you got that evolution of like 200 million years, like you're saying, like uh-huh, some incredibly uh-huh. old animals. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here is where things get complicated. So I had the pleasure of interviewing um, Dr. Leonardo Guida last week. He's the shark conservation leader for the Australian Marine Con- Conservancy um, Society. Yeah. And they, and he was saying, well, we've got, we've got a few problems to deal with here. And one of them is that our baseline data for shark populations is poo. Yeah. It's terrible. Right. So we we don't know what a healthy shark population is supposed to look like. I mean, what we're seeing right now is certainly not pre-European, right? Like, we can basically assume that because of all the impacts we've had, coastal development, et cetera, et cetera, right? Oh, for sure. Um, and, and they're the apex of the of the food pyramid too like yeah. you know, if there's going to be less bait fish or less mm-hmm. coral trout or less mackerel there's going yeah. to be less sharks right exactly exactly yeah. so there, there's this that thing right like if if there's less gazelles in the serengeti there are less lions uh-huh. you don't get a boom of lions when there are less gazelles it doesn't happen mm-hmm. right yeah. so so what we're seeing here is is this strange thing where we can't tell if the shark populations have necessarily grown significantly or necessarily shrunk significantly because the data is really bad mm-hmm. um and and globally it's an issue but also we've got all these other things that are conflicting right like our water quality with the big flood events that's impacting the plankton and the bait fish and all the food the sharks would normally eat yep. uh, and it could be the fact that you know there's there's less available easy fodder for the sharks Right, they're not um, just like swimming around with their mouths open, sucking down um, anchovies and hardy heads. They're they're having to chase things down. I've I've got a, a question I'd like to ask. Uh-huh. It might might be serious or not. Mm-hmm. Um, where, do we know much about uh, sharks' capacity to learn? Oh, it's good. They're it they're, is, yeah. they're pretty smart. Um, I, I thought that I, I saw yeah. this show once where 
by basically over a few weeks over a, a summer mm-hmm. um and this was set uh, i think on the east coast of usa mm-hmm. this this great white shark had, had learned to come in and eat people and attack boats and pull people off boats yeah and and it was um it was fascinating and and that was ultimately its de- demise um, are you sure that wasn't Jaws? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen it? <laughs> oh, it was an awesome doco, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the title of that paper was We're Going to Need a Bigger Boat, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so what we all need is like a, a grizzled sea crab and some barrels. And that situation is old. But, yeah, actually... Um, super capable of learning so yeah dr jonathan mitchell who now works for the department of agriculture and fisheries um before he worked for them he did a shark depredation project in wa so he and his team they went to places where other people just didn't fish they deliberately tried to pick a naive area where the sharks have had no real reason to associate boats and and stuff like that with food Mm -hmm. and then what they did was they like anchored some tuna heads down and put a camera there um, and watched the shark behavior. And initially, like, the sharks were like, what the heck is going on here? Why is there all this metal? I don't like it. And they would just hang around but not actually eat the head. Um, But I think it only took, like, seven exposures and then they knew. And we'd come in, like, on the boat noise, waiting for the head. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that would. Uh, so I guess I, I, don't, I hope I don't mind. You don't mind me going back, but um, no um, I, I like when I pose the question of why now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we've we've answered it. Is mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably not something you can answer. But mm-hmm. like, let me put something to you as well. Like you know, to use your own analogy of the gazelles and the lions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, what would you know, to, let's say there was a like a, enough enough gazelles to have a a, a good population of lions. Yep. But that population, instead of the, a naturally dwindling population that would subsequently affect the population of the um, of the lions and stuff, um, that population of gazelles was instantly taken away. Like someone just like like a like a like the like plastic soldiers on a on a on a bat. Sorry. Yeah. Just wipe yeah. them out. Just wipe them out. Like something <laughs> something happened. Like they got they got done by fire or something like that. So yeah. now we're left with um with a population of lions to handle half the amount that they would be normally sustaining on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I guess, you know, to use that analogy and to put it back into sharks, we'd have uh-huh. to know what sort of time frame it would it would take for um a population of sharks to be regulated compared to its food source. You know, yeah. so if we were to know that, and let's say it was fifty years, because they're an mm-hmm. old fish, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if uh if overfishing or commercial fishing, and I'm not trying to like uh, lynch anyone here or anything mm-hmm. like that, but yeah. let's just say, for example, like you know, the the harvesting of the sea collectively between recreational and commercial, which I know recreational has a massive impact in it as well, mm-hmm. was so so incredible and uh, and immeasurable mm-hmm. that um that you can't accurately sort of uh place the blame on that. But that's yeah. what it that's kind of what it seem it would it would seem like, right? Like yeah. um. As opposed, I mean, in addition to like you're saying in regards to you know uh, environment changing with 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 uh, runoff from the land with mm-hmm. with development and uh, yeah you know, and obviously um, you know nutrients into the you know affecting um, phyto and zooplankton and stuff like yeah, that yeah. you know food source basic food sources yeah it's very interesting I, I guess and as, and and I'm guessing that's obviously being hypothesised but it's um is that is that something that's you know uh, seem seemingly obvious you know as well to- um well. Uh, 
it's one of those things where, like you said, we're too data poor to really yeah. make a judgment. Um, we just don't know, you know. Like uh, scientists generally don't like to be certain about anything. We're pretty open to possibilities, um, but that also means that we're careful about making absolute statements when there's not enough data, and and there's just there's just not. Yeah. Um, like, so Leo gave this really cool analogy. Um, explaining what might be happening with the shark situation and why we can't necessarily say it's got anything necessarily to do with the shark population um, growing or, or shrinking. And, and it, it went along the lines of, so if, if we owned a pizza restaurant, right, and every day at 12 p.m., one of us went outside and just yelled, free pizza, free pizza, for an hour or two, for the first week or two, you probably maybe hand out half a dozen slices, right? Like, not many people knew about it. Um, but then over the months and the years, as the word gets out, it's highly likely you'd see a 100 people, a 1,000 people, you know, through the week coming for the free pizza because it was a consistent signal. But mm. you, can't, you can't really necessarily say that, oh, it's because of, you know, Australia's population having grown or shrank, mm. Mm. right? I think that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. It. I mean, but it's still. It's. I, I'll have to forgive me because it keeps taking me back to yeah, like yeah. you know why now. You know, uh -huh, like uh -huh. um, because like you said, like those guys who went to that na naive um, environment there and, and put mm -hmm. it took them seven like seven exposures. You know, yeah. like not a very long, not months, not years. No. But you know, we've we've got in the space of say twenty years. You know, like mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. in the two thousands, like the 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 you know like the the um. The impact sharks had on on recreational fishing was minimal. It was a yeah. it was a novelty, you know, to yeah, the point yeah. where it's now it's a nuisance in uh -huh. ten years time. Yeah, so it just seems like a really short time, you know. Like I mean, yeah. it, it's, and it's a blip on uh -huh. the on their existence in time on that timeline. Totally, that, you know, and it's it's I guess it's got to be that it's got to be somewhat to that learned behaviour in addition to um, changing environment, right? But Must combination of everything, I suppose. Yeah, and, and like animals have personalities too, mm. so. So there's quite well documented um, evidence of bony fish having personality. Things like um, mulloway have, like, there's some that are more bold than others, just naturally. Like um, the ones that eat Valtis fly would that's be the right. boldest ones. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like just the dumb ones, like straight yep. out of the eggs, straight for the clouses sort of situation. Like, you know, and not, not, not the circumspect meter 21 that's sitting in the docks going, I'm not eating anything unless it's a perfectly uptight game changer. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, just clouds are eating idiots. But, yeah. <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, they don't that's get big. Those to do with that, right? Like, so mm. th there might have, there might have just have been more sharks that were um, previously more sharks that were more keyed into small prey, right? They just preferred to eat smaller things and not really have to work too hard. Yeah, um, yeah. and then, and then I guess as more more people started using boats um to fish and, and i think like the increase in boat ownership after the last 15 to 20 years is probably not insignificant i think yeah. it's high so like just just the amount of reinforcement it just i guess means that the the ones who are a little bit more curious a little bit more adventurous are probably getting more opportunity to learn yeah um and so they're just bunching up harder and faster um i mean i don't know about you guys but the townsville guys used to whinge all the time about how you know, some of their favorite reefs, like they used to just go out there and they'd be the only boat. And then now there's like 15 to 20 of them on a good day. Oh, that's that's happening here. 
right? Royally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, every, every one of those vessels, every time that line is dropped, every fish that's brought up is an opportunity for a shark to learn. Mm. Why uh, wouldn't you if you were a shark, wouldn't you? It's, that's right. It's, um, it's that person it. yelling out free pizza. Every yeah. time you hear that 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 yeah, associated with that noise on outboard. That's right. You know, screw trying to catch a black spot tusk fish out of the coral. Like, wait till some guy's got it halfway off the bottom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old bull, young bull, mate. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah it, it. it it's pretty obvious. There's the path least resistance from. Sorry, Volts. It's um, yeah. I, I guess no one's really disputing that. I suppose it's uh, and I know you're not, you know, putting that out there like for dispute. But um, it's just it it makes sense. You can't you can't um knock the shark for for that learned behavior that's for sure no not at all mm. it's just doing what it's always done right like yeah feed itself with its face yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you can't hate something for doing what it's evolved to do oh. you know it's it's natural instinct and yeah you know um yeah that, that's that's a good point so i just want to talk about the app mate we mm -hmm. chris and i are both in a position where we um didn't really had we'd heard of it but we didn't really know about it much till uh about seven days ago maybe yeah, sure. days ago. yeah. so we both um went and downloaded it um mm -hmm. today and and had a bit of a play with it in preparation for tonight mm -hmm. um so so basically when you log in like you you just there's really minimal information you need to it's very easy to set up it's not complex at all it's very no. intuitive and, and yeah. easy to use um and as a recreational angler, which is something I chose, I went mm -hmm. to you know Queensland, where mm -hmm. I live, and you can choose the region where you're gonna where you want to fish. Um, and that, go on. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying. Yep, yeah, I'm following yeah. it. Okay, so so I went and clicked on Moreton Bay offshore, um, and uh, yeah, you can you've got the option of uh, looking at the area statistics. Mm -hmm. In which case, at the moment, there's three reports. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also um, you got the option of reporting an interaction. And yeah. um, <clears throat> when I click that there, it says, um, can, do I allow it to use my um, location, which in mm -hmm. this case is my bedroom. So mm -hmm. been uh, no shark attack there. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly <laughs> an angry wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's something to do with Shark Week, the documentary even, you know. Jaws. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. But I, I guess, you know, people people should have a look. It's a really easy thing to to download and use. Mm. Um, I don't want to waste too much, uh, waste too much of our, of your time talking about it. But it is, rest assured, you know, um, you can download it while we're talking, and the, um, listeners can download it while we're talking. Us three have got it, um, and and play with it. it. It's really that simple to use. But um, I want one thing mm -hmm. we spoke about was. Uh, there's no baseline for shark, you know, mm. information. Um, and I know that, you know, there's modelling on a lot of fisheries, like uh, I think one of our guests reported once that Spanish mackerel were at, I think it was 17% of mm -hmm. unfished biomass or virgin yeah. biomass. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of that relies on on data provided by professional fishermen. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so are you saying, or would it be fair to say that, um, information sharing pretty much starts with gathering data like data information you know data is sort of say information is data with the context right so yes you know if if we we've got to start gathering this data before we can start the process of of understanding the problem and, and affecting a change right spot on 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. And so that that's why we've tried to make it as intuitive possible as possible. Um, now, look, I know I know many of your listeners might be a bit skeptical about volunteering where they're fishing um, and the implications of that data, etc. Um, yep. Especially the guys up around the Townsville Cairns way. I get it. Um, so that's why there's options in the Shark app, right? So there's there's a couple of layers there. You can choose to have your report show up on the the cluster map so everyone can see it. Yep. Um, or you can choose to only have your data shared with us so that um, when we do the reports, you know, once there's enough data, um, then, then we report on numbers, right? Um, lower down, you'll also see there's an option to put the GPS point or a general location. Yep. And then that's just a text field. So I don't see any of that. Is, that. is that after you press report or report interaction? Yeah, yeah okay. it is. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So if you push report interaction and you scroll down a bit, There'll be, you know, the GPS location, which is, you know, if, where you are, um, you is automatic, but mm. you can punch it in if you want to after the fact. Um, but if you if your feeling is like, oh no, I'm I'm just not comfortable, you can just type in something like Morton Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's a big enough area, like no one really knows, and then we'll just log it as that. Mm. Um, in terms of data sharing for the community of practice, right? And I'm sure this is where most people are concerned. Um, if and when anyone comes to us to request the data logged by anyone using Sharks, um, an automatic email will be sent out to anyone whose data is being requested, and you'll get two weeks to opt out. Wow. So you'll get two weeks to say, no, thank you, please don't. Um, okay. And that won't affect, you know, the app's functionality for you or anything like that. But if you are just you know, uncomfortable and you don't want other people to know, then that's fine, you know? Yeah. That's your choice. That's really right? handy. It's yeah. pretty reasonable, really. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we've worked pretty hard to make this as empathetic as possible, right? Like, we don't want to push people into giving information they're not comfortable giving. Um, that's hugely unethical. Um, and we want... We want recfishers to benefit from it and also not feel like they're being forced to, or being milked. Mm. Okay. It, it's interesting, you know, like the, it's, um, we get a lot of people that we talk to and everyone's pro rec license uh, mm-hmm. um, because we don't have a, a voice. I mean, people are more concerned about having uh, being quantified as, as recfishers rather than um, the, the fee. Mm-hmm. But here you've got an opportunity, I suppose, as, as recfishers to sort of um, – to to have a say to people who are listening in that potentially would get to decision makers uh, about the shark problem, you know, yeah. and, uh, and logging data for that. I mean, you, you, yeah, it'd be quite hypocritical to complain about the sharks and then complain about the app. Um, I think um, I, I think people should see this as an opportunity to get on board. Um, yeah, like you couldn't be any more, like you said, empathetic of of, um, of people's concerns in regards to privacy. With the uh, with the options you've got to where to log and to be able to log out, uh, sorry, to re- rescind your uh, information sharing if someone wants to, um, yeah, mine that data or whatever, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So it's a win-win, really. At the end of the day, it's um, it's it's actually quantifying sharks in sharks interactions. It's um, it's going to people like yourself that are um, 
um, you know, making heads or tails of it, and we'll probably no doubt at the end of the day send it to someone who can make a decision about it, whatever that might be. You know, yeah, whether yeah, it be so, tech or policy or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the, I guess the a huge part of citizen science too is signalling to the, the rest of the people who don't necessarily fish or know any fishers that we're not just in it to yank on fish. Mm. Like we're we're happy to own our problems. Like we know that shark-based depredation is probably not something that's going to affect you if you're just, you know, going for a swim. It's not mm. shark-based depredation. That's another thing, right? That's another issue. Yep. We know it's pretty specific to the fishing activity. So if we stopped fishing, then it wouldn't be a problem anymore. But because we want to continue fishing and we want to do so sustainably, this is our way of gathering that information and trying to figure out how to minimise that extra impact we're having, mm. right? Um, and, you know, I, I was saying to, to Voltsy earlier, like, it's, I don't know if many of your listeners necessarily know, but in a lot of developed countries, especially in Europe, there's a growing sentiment against the practice of things like catch and release fishing, which, you know, most, most saltwater fly fish shows do. Like, that's, yep. that's mostly what we do. We're not, we're not there deliberately trying to catch fish for a feed because you would never do that with a fly rod. Mm. Um, but We'd starve. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, or someone else would starve the poor buggers. Um, but yeah, so so if we want to keep being able to do this and, and do it ethically um, and sustainably, then we've got to find a way to, to mitigate it. And and this is, I think, our way of, you know, to, to be a little bit blunt and coarse, own our shit, right? Mm. Like, yeah. you know, this is a problem. We own up to it. Let's work towards fixing it. Um and then, you know, hopefully less hooks in sharks, um, less sharks bothering or ruining our, our day, less sharks impacting the fish stocks in an unpredictable way. Um, yeah, net win for everyone, really. What's the reaction been like for this app so far? Um, it's been pretty good, actually. Like, we've had, like, just short of 400 people download it. and up. We just launched it in November. Mm. Um, but, you know, COVID and, and the weather um, and unfortunately for you guys and well the northern new south wales region like really serious flooding um so you know i, I can't imagine too many people are fishing at the moment no no yeah. it's, it's um pretty pretty ordinary yeah uh, it's getting there though but uh yeah right that's i mean that's 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 a positive number that's for sure Four hundred put 400 people in a room it'll look pretty busy or we'll put them out yeah. on a school of tuna you'll be wishing you weren't there but that's right there's a there's a lot more people that could be downloading that. That's that's one hundred percent for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, we know there's easily a couple million people who recreationally fish. Yeah. yeah. So, it, so yeah. what you're saying is it's really a it's a free, easy, and simple way for for people to be involved in real data collection. Yes. Um, and to show that, um, you know, we can we can put aside and you know personal differences with regards to like our, our data will sit beside professional fishermen who choose mm -hmm. to engage in this process as well right yeah absolutely um, oh sorry i thought you said there weren't wasn't oh anything. well i mean the commercial guys ha haven't had that opportunity yet but okay. eventually yes um you know and and it won't just be one data source right so this one will record depredation results the the commercial guys you know they'll, they'll record things in a different way because you know it's monetary right um yes. you know but 
it, it's a matter of triangulating with any of these really complex environmental problems. You take data from different sources and you just try to like piece them together to get a, an image of the system um, that you're you're working in. So, you know, the the commercial guys still have to report all their catch of sharks, yep. et cetera, et cetera, right? And, and if it, you know, so happens that weirdly there's a lot of sharks being taken in the same area as there's a lot of depredation, like that that sort of makes scientists go, I wonder what's going on there, right? Um, and part of, part of this kind of citizen science program is about, it's not about getting a perfect picture because we never will. It's more about making our scientific efforts and our, I guess, product development or or innovation more targeted and more efficient, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of hard when you just go to DAF as an example and you go, oh, there's a shark depredation problem some, somewhere up in the north, you know, anywhere between Kai and Cairns. And they're yeah, like, right. well, hell, what do I do? Where do I start, right? Like, um, but if you can be super specific, like, it just seems to be the reef guys fishing for coral trout around, you know, that Mackay Gladstone area that's suffering most. Then they can look there first. Sure, you get a better idea, and yeah, yeah. The more, as as in any any scenario, the more accurate and precise information, the the faster you can get action, and um, and you know, the the better your outcomes could be, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of like an early diagnostic tool, you know, yeah. like. Oh yeah, okay. It's definitely not your arm; it's your leg. You know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I've heard it said if you if you don't have allies, you will lose the battle. Mm. How do you think that um, that comment applies to um, uh, to um, you know this scenario here and, and the broader broader question of where recreational fits in the in the psyche of um, of um, you know uh, awakening a society. Oh, that's very apt, very apt, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I had to ask it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, look, so I guess as I alluded to before, in a lot of developed countries, um, people and heavily urbanised developed countries, people have started to get divorced from food systems and natural systems. Um, and so their values that they attach to animals differ. Um, yep. over time and you start to see a lot more I guess people who are super super invested in protecting everything um, yep. which is fine that's a value right like I can't begrudge anyone a value set if they're going to have it but the fact of the matter is when enough people have that value set then you start to see you know that value set bleed into uh, lifestyle activities like hunting and fishing yep so i don't know if you guys have heard about this before or or not but in germany and in switzerland catch and release is basically illegal wow. i've heard i know that yeah. yeah yeah so if you if you catch a fish that's legal for you to keep you must keep it um if if it's you know obviously undersized or whatever then you must let it go but Basically, that's the philosophy over there is, like, don't bother the animal unless you intend to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and live baiting is illegal, too, right? So, I mean, not, not that that's 
necessarily going to affect us fly guys, but it says to you that people even value the life of, you know, the sprats and the bleaks and whatever else they would use normally. Mm. Um, you know, the, the little bait fish. So, you know, uh, I, I heard yeah. a, sorry, uh, no, I was going to say, I was just going to um, add to that and heard, I heard of a similar scenario in um, Nova Scotia mm -hmm. uh, a while ago where yeah. they nearly lost their fishery. Um, yeah, well, and it was all, all came to a sort of degree of um, wording of a similar thing to what you're talking about there in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that the uh, wreckfish has regained their uh, access to these species as a catch and release fishery mm -hmm. through through the wording of selective harvesting, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. So, you know, this fish obviously was big enough to keep, but of not, of not you know, not of good condition or, mm -hmm. or um, you know, not, 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 you know, not, not, I don't know, whatever they wanted to word yeah, it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit squirrely. It, it seems as though, uh, you know, like when you hear close calls like that, and and you yeah. hear the pol policies in in Europe that you're talking about there as well. Yeah. That without know, getting on board with something like uh, info fishing and gaining real data, you know, mm -hmm. and um, you know, we really, we really risk losing uh, pastimes, I suppose, as as wreck fishers, you know, to not to not get involved in it. I think it'd be um, it'd be, I think it, if you if people listen to this podcast and and they've had it explained to them now and not see the value in it, well, you know, they're probably not. But I would imagine that, um, you know, people who don't see the value haven't really had it explained to them. They might think, like you said earlier, which is an angle I didn't expect to hear, but understandably after I hear you say it as well, that people are quite shy about giving away their spots. Um, you know, I know, I know with, when the green zone, um, when, when that was developing, that was through, that was through survey as well, I believe, um, mm -hmm. to a degree, to a degree. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of people are uh, uh, once bitten, twice shy, so to speak. Right. But yeah. Um. But I mean, like, there's a, there's a real positive to come out of this because this, the without nothing getting done, you know, generation, yeah. new generations of sharks are going to um, lean towards this learned behaviour as well, and probably yeah, you know, probably not even know any different. No, you know, it's just I, be too I, easy yeah. for them. Yeah. I, I mean, there's the. So we have an opportunity here, you know, to have allies. You know that. The conservationists, you, you know, I know a lot of recreational fishers don't like conservationists, and okay, but, you know, not all of them are rabid, and quite a lot of them are quite reasonable. So if you're trying to do something to reduce the negative impact upon the marine ecosystem, they are totally going to be on, on side. None of them are going to come at you and go, well, you, you know, I don't like that you're trying to stop the sharks swallowing hooked fish. You know, like, yeah. where would that go, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and and sharks, uh, like we used to joke at, in the fish and fisheries lab in, in Townsville that sharks became the new dolphin. Everyone suddenly wanted <laughs> to hug them um, until they hug one and then it thrashes and sandpapers <laughs> the face. Um, but, but, yeah, so... You know, if there's that growing sentiment, people want to protect things. We can see this degradation in the marine realm. Whether that's our fault or not, that doesn't matter. The fact is we can see it's degrading, right? Like, mm. you know, all, all that mud and sediment and whatever that's washing out of the Brisbane River um, and the Clyde, etc. We, we can't turn our backs on that, right? Um, and here's our opportunity to show the wider public that we are not the kinds of people who will turn our backs on something we can do something about. You know? Yeah, it's a great opportunity to show that you know, for what most fishermen already fishermen already know about themselves, is that they're great conservationists as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. it doesn't get reflected that way with um 
with <laughs> inverted commas mainstream conservationists. Let's no, put it that way. Yeah. no, and, and like you know, the, so in in the US, like they they have ducks unlimited um, and trout unlimited, and the ducks unlimited guys were the first to sort of start this hunters for conservation type group. Mm. And they have done amazing things for swamps and wetland birds because they were buying up land that no one in their right mind would ever buy, like stagnant mosquito-riddled swamps. Land that had little commercial value. That's right. And, and yep. that, you know, actually, like, most of the wider community would actually rather not be around too. Yep. Right? Like, it's, it's just unpleasant. But they, they bought all this stuff up and, and actually, like, they demonstrated that those areas where they bought all this land and did all that work and regenerated the wetlands, the bird population stayed strong, while as in the rest of the U.S., they just collapsed. Um, you know, Trout Unlimited, they, they're all about taking down dams and weirs and things and, and mm -hmm. you know. And we have our Ozfish Unlimited, the Aussie guys, who are doing great work around the country. So they're... Habitat rehabilitation in freshwater rivers, seagrass beds, um, shellfish reefs, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there's, there was really good video that came out a few years ago, you know, during the really bad droughts when basically the Murray-Darling just dried up. Yep. And the people who were wading through knee-deep, stinking, fetid mud in 40-degree heat and taking their, their day and their resources to make live well tanks and drive them you know a couple of hours here and there for to the hatchery they were all fishers yep they were the guys who were going in there scooping out the last of the murray cod and the big caddies and the golden perch and whatever that were just gonna die um and, and saving them because they love the fish okay. like and that's that's something i think we can show people more it's like recreational fishers are not we don't have a violent negative relationship with the fish we we actually care a lot about the fish probably more so than people who would mm. rather us not fish and, and can i add i feel yeah. this is my own personal opinion yeah. i don't want to put uh, speak for chris here but i feel like as recreational fishermen or people who you know we, we need fish for our pastime then mm -hmm. therefore we need the environment that supports fish therefore we are the ultimate conservationists mm. um uh you know I, I think if you're going to use well if you want to give if you want to make something valuable it's got to be able to be used otherwise it's just a liability you know and yeah. people will stop you know my, my biggest fear is say they they ban fishing for whatever then suddenly there'll be a generation of people who will go well they, they won't know about the fish um the, mm. the environment and, and it'll lose all its value and be even more um uh vulnerable to to development or yeah. you know just yeah. being lost forever yeah um, i mean there was there was actually a big driver towards me getting into the field i did yeah um because when i was going through my marine biology degree at james cook um you know there were lots of scientific papers and stuff like that getting shown to us and there were always papers written by you know, scuba divers and divers, really, fundamentally, that, that was what they would have liked to do in their spare time. Yep. Um, yep. And so, you know, a lot of the ecology papers and stuff like that, it's written with that mind frame. Um, but, of course, I knew a lot of fishers who are, like, intimately 
um, in tune with the marine environment to the point where they'd be down to the month or week able to tell you, oh, you should go target that, you know, or wait till the water changes colour to this and then they'll be there. They'll try any other time and they won't be. Um, stuff like that. And I was like, so I went to one of my lecturers and I was like, why Why are we not capitalising on that knowledge? Like it, it, would, it would make so much sense to to learn from these people or at least involve them um, so that we can actually make, I guess, decisions or, or do research with a much more complete picture. Um, and then that lecturer, he, he pointed me to my supervisor for my honours and my PhD. And it's sort of been, I guess, my aim ever since. It, it's like creating that alliance between recreational fishers and the rest of the fishery system and strengthening that knowledge set for everyone uh, so that we can all do more sensible things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, right. I mean, that is, um, it's a, that was a, a good motivation for you to get into there, mate. Um, yeah. And do you ever pinch yourself and go, well, look, you know, here's, here, here's me, you know, postgraduate, mm -hmm. you know, working in the field that I want to and, and making a difference? Uh, sometimes, yeah. 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 Uh, like, it, it's, it's really, um, really validating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, just mm. to think, oh, well, like all that hard graft. Um, and look, yeah. there, there were years of like despondency, right? Like like most postgrads, once you finish, you kind of don't have a home, you know, like don't know where to fit. Most of the jobs that you would traditionally apply for, I mean, particularly when I, when I finished, like mm. the government, federal government had just cut all the funding for RD&E yeah for for everyone and so like universities and research centers were just hemorrhaging researchers and scientists they weren't interested in hiring people they were trying to get rid of people um and, and it was just a really sort of crappy time yeah for me to be around for like a, a few years and then i get it you had to move to new south wales oh <laughs> i had to leave my tailing goldens i'm so dirty about that <laughs> Yeah. And like one of the yeah. only flatfish that rewarded my overly complicated fly designs and I had to leave it behind like the blue bones. Oh god. Hey, can listen, I'm gonna pull you up there. I know you're a scientist, but don't call yeah. them blue bones, all right? They're they're uh that's the WA name for them. Oh black spot tusk fish. That's correct, mate. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Are you sure it's not Curidon Skloon Lurniae? Isn't well, <laughs> I have a question for that. I actually think there Ooh, might be, might be multi multiple species involved here, mate. Oh, possible. Yeah. yeah. One of our future guests I've, I've lined up, we're going to have a chat about it. But, yeah. you know, um, if you look, there, there's no scientific um, commentary on this, but there's, um, um, if you look at the, the fish in WA, they've got a mm -hmm. white chin. Look at the East Coast fish, they've got a blue chin. Yeah. Um, could be an I'll example. Be, I'll, be, I'll be back in 40 minutes, guys. I'm just going to. Go and have something to eat. No, I'm kidding. This this will <laughs> this will be a massive rabbit hole right now. So, so the um, and in WA they also have another species called the bald chin groper. Yeah, they do. Yeah, bald like me, not bald. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, anyway, um, mm. the uh, the 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 yellow chinned black spots seem to seem to go all the way around the Gulf of Carpentaria and and 
there's a bit of overlap between blue and yellow in mm -hmm. Weeper, from what I can tell. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't. I've I've asked asked a RAS biologist, but he's he's too busy throwing um, research at fairy wrasses of all things in Indonesia. Um, so I was lemon? waiting. There. Are you talking a lemon? Yeah. Ah, yeah. You know lemon? It. Yeah, I know lemon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that um, that was my hope there. But anyway, we'll wait and see. Maybe maybe they're just polymorphic. Who knows? But maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know I can't grow a beard to save my life, so, you know, maybe you and I are different species. <laughs> <laughs> I see what he did there. Uh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I, think we're, I think we're running low on time, actually. Okay. Um, we're up to about 80 minutes, um, yeah. which is, you know, it's, uh, that's been going well. And, Owen, um, is there anything else you want to add to – the conversation before we wrap it up, mate? No, just look, um, I don't want to hard sell anyone on this, but the more people who download and use Shaft, the more valuable that data will be for all of us in the long run. Yeah. And hopefully the fewer fish all of us lose to sharks. Mm. Right? Yep. Like net benefit would be awesome, please. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, we have a Facebook page, um, and my email is there. Um, do. I'm quite friendly most of the time. Just on that, we'll, we'll have the links on our page too. Yeah. On, um, yeah. Did you want to explain the quirky spelling of uh, sharked? Like it's sort of like arxed? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Chorley had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, and, yeah. and Owen, can you confirm that that is you pictured in the in the Facebook page? I don't know. If, uh, did you hear the last podcast we did by any chance? Oh no, no, I didn't hear the last one. Yeah, I was yeah, listening to the other one. We were we were opening up Facebook as we were recording, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unbelievable professionals. Yeah. And um, yeah, we several really times. Through, is that Owen yeah. there? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> if there's a like a stocky Chinese man, that's me. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that's you. That fits the description. Yep. Yeah. 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 That'd be me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Tim right. Groper himself. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. <laughs> anyone who's, um, anyone who what, has any problems, even or concerns. Yeah. And you want to talk them through? Let me know, man. No problem. Really appreciate you making yourself available um, to talk about this. And more importantly, that I really um, appreciate you undertaking this project, mate. Um, because the intention for making every every fisherman's life better is um, is is really noble. Thanks very much, mate. Oh, cheers. You guys are, are most welcome. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Dr. Owen Lee. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Welcome back, folks. Riveting stuff. And as always, I want to say thank you for not getting rid of the podcast at this stage. Hey, Volts. <laughs> Thanks for hanging around. Yeah. Hey. Thanks for hanging around, folks. That's the way. Um, interesting discussion. You know what, mate? I was, um, I was surprised at how well you pulled yourself up when we started talking about Tuskies. <laughs> I thought, here we go. Here we go, and 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 you could see 
that Owen was like, bring it on. Like, he's a scientist arguing with, with casual observation, you know? And, um, yeah, mate. And I, us I citizens. He, huh? Us citizens. Yeah, us plebs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. But, uh, you know, I was ready to interject. I mean, did you see did you see that um, that YouTube footage the other week of that? Um, I mean, they look like they look like pretty pretty dumb fish, right? Like, you know, the, did you see the video? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> yeah. So, the listeners that don't know, um, uh, I didn't expect you to see it, Volts. Um, but yeah, um, but obviously you did because I haven't discussed it with you. In that. Um, uh, mate, look at you, mate. You look like you're. Uh, he's got the video on again. He has. He always does in the outro. <laughs> you look like you've been held captive from the post office, mate. You know. <laughs> what are you doing in society? Anyway, yeah, that video like that. That diver just swam up behind it, just catch, <laughs> grabbed, grabbed it by the tail, and then just hit it over the head with a rock. Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah. What was it called again? Uh, diver grabs tail. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. right. They yeah. dive it, go tail tusky. There was another one I got uploaded today. I don't know if you saw that one as well with that um that same guy, and he um I couldn't believe like I hear all these stories about how hard these fish are to catch and stuff like that. I'm like, geez, man, this thing really didn't react well, react too bad when that swim that diver swam behind him. But that other one where he um where he just swam out, he had that crab crab fly in fact in the palm of his hand and just kept offering it. The the thing kept swimming away and eventually he grabbed the confidence to eat it. And he caught it because he had the, the the line tied around his wrist. Did you see that oh, one? Yeah, that was pretty cool. That's amazing, man. Like, I mean, you guys spend all this time casting these 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 big blue blobs and rating them and stuff like that, and talking about their chin color. And this dude's just swimming up to them and grabbing them. <laughs> amazing, eh? It is amazing. What, what was what, the channel what you, called again? What was it? What's the channel called? Yeah, yeah. Where, where'd you see this video? I, I feel like I've seen. I, I think a lot it's. Of I think it's called. Um, um, Townsville Tusky Torment, I believe it's called Triple T. <laughs> Triple T, right? Cool, the Triple yeah. T channel. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe that's what it's called. I, I don't know the um. I don't know the. I mean, angler's a loose term. I don't know the angler's name, but um. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know who it is? You saw the video, right? I can't remember, mate. It's not easy to to see. You know, water's a bit dirty, like it is up there. You know. So. You don't need to see anything in the video to to um reveal his name to yourself you know you just read the comments but um okay i didn't i didn't read anything there either. i mean maybe give the comments a read it might help you next time you're up there casting the tuskies some of the tips he's got okay yeah well yeah. i'll take that on board man yeah you know yeah. humbly humbly you know accept that and take it to the flat that'll be good mm. yeah yeah i mean you could always just jump in yeah bopped, bopped in. around yeah, wait till you attract one over. What do you, do you think? Um, do you think those guys might have some sort of um, acoustic receptors? Like, to you might be able to sort of sit there. And <laughs> Actually, I was talking, like to, talking to a Spiro once, and he yep. had this. Um, he had this technique. He um, he said that you'd get two rocks and you'd sort of clap and rub them together under the water, and if you did it long enough, eventually some tuskies tuskies would swim over and find you. That sounds like a good idea to come up with. Tell it to someone like it works and then catch up with them a couple of months later and go, how'd you go with that rock technique? And then to find out it worked or didn't work so you didn't have to go through the effort of doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the tune yeah. rock castaways, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, but also, that also reminds me of the, the, the guys who um, hunt the ruts for um, for, for deer and, and uh, other um, other like-looking like mammals. Um, when they get the antlers and they knock them together and run, run them in the brush. 
you think there's any similarity there, mate? Well, possibly. I mean, the, the antler, the antler rattling is probably cashing in on their seasonal testosterone boost, whereas the mm. the um, the rubbing of the rocks together might be, I don't know, capitalising on its curiosity or its hunger. I don't know. Who knows, man? Is there much prey that um, that would would clap two rocks together up there for tuskies, or do you think it, they could think it might be territorial and that another tusky might be, you know, Digging. dining in their macas, so to speak? Yeah, that, that's it, I reckon. I reckon that'd be the thing, yeah. Territorial. Yeah. Yeah, Possibly. right, okay. Who knows what they think? It's just a matter if it works or not. That know? that diver that I saw, like, I mean, I don't know if he was doing that earlier, but he couldn't have done that when he swam up and grabbed that one by the tail and just hit it in the head with a rock. Oh, okay. Couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the, the tusky wasn't focused on it. He just sort of swam up behind it, just kept in its blind spot, like, you know, strafed right, strafed left sort of thing and just um and just got out of the way. Right, Must have right. been like I mean, if you little known fact, like I mean, you can get in a tusky's blind spot just by the way that they move their pectoral fins. Okay, <laughs> it's true. Really? So like yeah. tickling a trout, you can tickle a tusky. Oh no, no. Well, I mean, this is the approach, but I'm sure you can oh, okay. tickle a tusky. Have you ever tickled a tusky? No, no. Have you? Did you say like he was throwing rocks at it? No, 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 no. So what he did is like he got in, he got in the water, you know, and uh, at a certain distance and, and, and located the fish obviously beforehand, made his way underwater towards the fish, um, you know, disguised himself as, as, as whatever underwater bric-a-brac that's around and, um, and then um, Uh essentially just grabbed this fish that was completely green, hung onto it, stood up and got a rock and just bashed in the head. And then when it walked up the beach and cooked it and made a YouTube video. Oh, wow, man. That's pretty mm. cool. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, no. Triple T, mate. Check it out. Townsville Tusky Terror. Terror, was it? I thought you said Torment before, but that's good. Did I? Terror. Torment? Yeah. Oh, look, that's new to me, man. It's not, I'll, not I'll a channel Google that I follow. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, look, I'll, um, I'll Google it. I'll, I'll YouTube it. I'll search it. And if I've got any questions, I'll ask you. So, yeah, yeah, ask yeah. me. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I noticed you dropped that a couple of times tonight. Yeah, but I feel like there's a couple of times where I let it go too, so I felt bad about that. Mm. You know, I asked for consistency and I didn't deliver it myself. It's bad. No, it's bad no. leadership, man. Bad. Do you think? Do you think you owe anyone in the um, in the in the Potterverse uh, an apology by any chance? Yeah, I apologise to people who've gone before me, Joe Rogan for one. Yeah, you know, um, hell of a podcaster that man. Uh, he wouldn't have made that mistake. What about anyone who might be impacted by the word ask? <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'd be laughing. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's an interesting uh, interesting uh, look on it, that's for sure. But I think he might be right. It's a good sport. Yes, that's why we love him. That's why we yeah. like his YouTube video too. So. Yeah, yeah. Which one's that? The Townsville Terror, Tusky, Tusky Terror? Oh, no, it was um, um, backwater toga tickler. I think it was something like that. Yeah. Backwater toga tickler. <laughs> 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 Terry the toga tamer. <laughs> I'm gonna go find what it, what it, what his channel's called so people can search it. <clears throat> I wonder if you can just look up Andy Bolch. Have a look at that, Andy Bolch. Holy roly, it does come up. You just, just put that in. Happy days. 
He's only had, man, it's amazing. He's only had 317 views with that. He should have a lot more. Three of them more. Three, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched it three times. I bet you a couple of hundred of them are his mum. But, you know. <laughs> you know, we're not allowed to talk about that, hey? <sighs> Fuck. Can you edit that out? I'll just leave it. I don't it know. gets very upset. <laughs> <laughs> We never, we, 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 listeners will, uh, it, you know, it'll do you well to know that we received a stern letter <laughs> from Andy's, I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to target the person, let's just say from Andy's immediate family, <laughs> you know, you can make it that which you will, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're to leave her alone and Andy alone, and I, I, I'm just bringing up this video with all due respect, you know, I, I'm actually yeah. trying to encourage you to wrong your rights and um and and you know bring up the fact that ask probably wasn't you know the right thing to say wouldn't say it's the wrong thing to say because um it was funny yeah right? sorry Andy. yep yeah <laughs> yeah well you know alan was a great guest mate i think that's um i think that was a lot of uh, a lot of great information we 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 flung a lot of um uh, questions that I'm sure a lot of people would be thinking. I hope we can we we come up with some questions that, um, you know that that you the listener might have might have asked Owen. I apologise on behalf of me and Toga Tamer there that um that if we didn't come to something you did, but I think we covered it quite well. Oh, I, I hope we did. Um, I had all the the questions in my own head answered. Um, and and you know you can see where this fits in the bigger picture as well, the importance of being involved, citizen science, um, data collection leads to better management decisions down a track. Mm. Um, and, you know, also the the side of it, you know, that, you know, Owen has, you know, grown, that that's been his education and, you know, then his career and that the manifestation of that is pretty cool too from, from his point of view. We don't all have to get drunk on that, but that was... You know, I, I'm pretty excited for him that, you know, this is what it's come to. Chance yeah. to make a difference. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, citizen science sounds like the type of uh, branch of science that would like to promote itself with youthful rap videos written by middle-aged men. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's Call it's, it the, um, the, the shark rap or something like that, you know? I know. It, it's probably like um, the um, the scientific version of TikTok, you know what I mean? It's it's sort of yeah. or Uber or Airbnb, you know, they, they get other people to do the legwork for them and just bring it all together. Um, <laughs> we yeah. pool, we pool the, we pool the people's product. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. good. Yeah, it's good but news. it's, I think, uh, I, I think it's a good uh, precursor to, you know, you, you never know what could come from it. I kept thinking and, and we're sort of talking along those lines about quantifying wreck fishes. Uh, and who's doing it? What's going on? You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, getting getting our interests collectively, you know, recorded, I suppose. And it and it might start there with the sharks. Um, I mean, it's a problem that we all want to go away, but I think there's a bigger a bigger um, bigger nugget there on offer. You know what I mean? Did you say sharks? Uh-huh. No, no I didn't. But I could have. <laughs> 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 yeah, I wonder if that applies to other people like Tarski. No, it doesn't. Taxis. Yeah. Taxi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sharks. Yeah. Look, he... <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed having Owen on and um, 
yeah, last week I was a little bit embarrassed. I didn't know, didn't know that that app was his his work, but um, or you know, a project he was involved with. So it's a real privilege to have, you know, the the guy who created something like that um, on a, on the podcast. So thanks again, Owen. If you listen to this bit, mm. Mm. yeah, 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 mate. I, I, sorry, I um, I was starting to think of the project there. Yeah, I need to extend my uh, my contrafibularities in, in addition to vaults there for sure. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. Well, look. Um, yeah, there's no no point in talking about next week's guest because we've got two weeks to relax, and we usually take the whole uh, what is it about eleven days to relax before organising the next yeah. guest. Yeah. We take we take that eleven days resting really seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot going on. We've got really busy time with uh, work and family so it's Chris um, yep. and uh, fingers crossed there's some fishing getting done in this fortnight should be should uh, be there's some good weather coming up um, yeah. you know we um, we've got some uh, we've got some technology we should we can test out for um, for vlogs um, and and on water audio podcast better we've listened to you guys We've taken your advice on board and your, your thoughts and criticisms have not gone unheard. Um, we The next podcast we do on the water, if we do another one, won't be from having an iPhone in the top pocket. <laughs> we're going to step we've it up. We've invested. We have invested. We have invested for you, the people. Yep. I can't say we've got any underwater audio gear that we could test the um, the, the the Tusky Tamer technique, but yeah, we can aspire towards that. Yeah, it would be stunning to get drone footage of you swimming through the um, through the shallows, just approaching um, approaching Tuskies in their blind spot um, yep. with the, with the uh, with the end goal of grabbing them by the tail, dragging up the beach and eating them. Yeah. Could yeah, you well, imagine? Could you imagine, like, you, like the human orca himself? Well, mm. I'm just thinking that you, you know, like, you know, like the, with that with that pelt, you would look like a, a like a, a massive beast fly, you know? It's um just like pulsating in the water. I mean, it'd be it'd be it'd be a sight to see, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the, the pulsating action of of of, of volts. Tusky Tamer. Well, all right, mate. Let's uh, let's call it a night. Yep, no worries. Let's uh, let's pick up the shenanigans next week here. Yeah. At B Studios, studios, studios. <laughs> See you, dude. See you, mate. Bye. Lie, lie, lie. Lie, lie, lie. Lie, lie, lie.
Yeah.